Hello team, good morning and welcome to episode number 36 of the RDO podcast. As always, we are with the Auto Bros, Jason and Alex on channel. How are you this morning, my bro? Yeah, going all right. Going all right? Going all right. Mm-hmm. Um, had a little bit of activity in the, uh, in the sales front, which is good. Bought mm-hmm. a couple of cars and... That Volvo's a good looking thing. Yeah, it's cool. It's mm-hmm. cool too because it's a... It's like the enthusiast version of it. Mm. I've got a V50 T5, mm-hmm. which is a five-cylinder turbocharged engine, which they put in a lot of the performance Fords. Mm-hmm. And um, already got a couple of appointments on it. And yeah, I noticed nice. that it got shared on the Volvo, like a Volvo enthusiast page. On ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's handy. So a uh, bit of a bone to pick. So uh, with a different company, and it's right. got to do with the Volvo because I was taking the Volvo to get detailed. Yeah. And what I tend to do is... Uh, I will go and occupy myself, whether it be do some like take my laptop and do some paperwork, or um, or go for a coffee, or you know have something to eat. Mm-hmm. And I thought um, they were quite busy there, so I thought it was going to take a while. So I went on the app to try and find a lime scooter nearby. Nothing mm-hmm. there. So I thought I'll start walking to where sort of the population is. You know where 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 I'm used to seeing them. So I think I walked two k's. Mm-hmm. And then no lines, but I thought, oh, I've got those orange ones are new on mobility. So I've got the Neuron app, so I fired the Neuron app up. Okay, there's one, there's one that's there. Cool. Jumped on it, uh, went home, just had a bite to eat, and then uh, thought, okay, I'll head back now. Starts sprinkling with rain, mm-hmm. and which was, wasn't a problem. I wasn't getting snatched or anything like that, but uh, getting a little bit slippery, the road's getting a little bit slippery. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, the rain started to get progressively harder and harder and harder. I'm probably, at this stage, 200 metres away from the detailers, and I stop under a tree, and I just wait. I'm just waiting just to see what the what the weather does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, nah, do you know what? I'm just going to I'm gonna walk the rest. Right. So I go to deactivate it, and it says... Connection issues? No, you're out of range. You're, out, you're not allowed to park here. You're out of the, the, the range of the... Um, of the app. Right. And I open the app up and it's got like a geofenced area. Yeah. But I'm like, well, no, I'm in it. Like, what is this? I'm in it. So I'm waving my phone around trying to get the, the signal to potentially. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I've just tripped the signal up. No, not working. And it won't let you park it. You can't park it. Like, you basically just keep charging. If you left it there, just keep charging. charging it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so I'll go wow. back. I'll go back a block. So I'm in the rain. Yeah. I'm going away from the destination. Mm hmm. And it's, off, it's got no power. Oh, so they power it off. Yeah, but it let me get all the way there, right? That makes and then no it, sense. Like, it waited for like, I was under the tree for like five minutes before it went, the, the thing went red. So now I have to walk back, uh, like walk it back yeah. in the rain. Yeah. 100 metres, no good. 200 metres, no good. I'm well within the range, but it's yeah. just not letting me park it. Probably 300 metres. So I've accumulated 600, and then, then I have to walk all the way back. So there's 600 additional meters of of, of being in the rain mm. for that stupid system. And so but then you could... Then, yeah, then, then it was like, oh, sweet. And then it's got power, and now I'm parking it. You you should have, like, obviously, you, you cop an extra charge and, and the inconvenience having to walk it back. So once you've, like, signed out of it or whatever the, the process is... I would have picked it up and thrown it at the Brisbane River. <laughs> well, the Brisbane River was where I picked it up from originally. Yeah, so handy and convenient. Like, yeah, it was so annoying. Just the next one that you find, just throw it in the river. But, like, it didn't even tell me, it didn't even send me a, notica- a notification. It sent me a notification well after I was 300 metres into the no-ride zone. If it, and it's, it's got the ability to power it down. It should power it down as soon as you've entered, exactly. uh, as soon as you've exited the geofence. Because then I'd know. Then you'd know. That's right. Yeah. You'd be like, "Oh, why is this not working?" And a, and a notification should come off on your phone going, "You've you've gone to the limits of the area. Please go back into the area and." And I'd be five minutes out, or like five meters out of the geofence, not yeah. three hundred. How how big is the area that they're they're servicing? Well, it's pretty annoying too because it, yes, look, it's it's the common areas around the regatta and on the on the riverfront there. Yeah, but. I used to use them to get home. Yeah. And I don't think they'll go home anymore. Right. So for some reason, they've reduced the amount that have come out. And the city cycles, they're getting rid of the city cycles too. So one Why? by one, because no one uses them. We used to use them, but dumb stuff like the helmet laws. Like, yeah. are you serious? People can run as fast as what 
as what these bikes go. Mm. But we don't make them wear a helmet, do we? Oh, this gets back into the personal responsibility conversation, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, the, you have to have a... There's laws that say you have to wear a helmet to drive 10 kilometres an hour on a scooter. Yeah. But you could still smoke durries. You could still, you know, yeah, just, go jump out of a perfectly good aeroplane. I just find it... Off. I think that was one of the big downfalls. Oh, and the, the user interface. We're talking about user interfaces this morning. Mm. The user interface of the city bike system is the worst one in the world. So right. I've used one in London, mm -hmm. and it was like a two-step process. Swipe your card, get a pin. Yeah. Type the pin in the machine, unlocks the bike, mm -hmm. you're good. Right. Park it anywhere you want, literally just go up, punch the code in the machine, mm -hmm. it unlocks again. It was two pounds. Yeah. Great system. This system, the A, if you don't speak English, you're not doing it. Right. Okay, yeah. so it's not user-friendly in, in that regard. Mm -hmm. And it's something very easy that could be digitised, yeah. like, like uh, animated, you know. Not animated, but pictures. You got pictures. Yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah. So this one, you you uh, say, you I want to I wanna set one up. Do you agree? Yes. Mm -hmm. And all, all the okay buttons, there's, sometimes it's okay, sometimes you have to push one. Yeah, it should be something where all the OK buttons are in the same spot. So you yep. just go click, click, like if you've used it more than once, yes. you'll know what all the screens are. Yes. So you just go click, 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 and off we go. Well, it shouldn't even be click, click, click. It should just be, it should okay. be click. Yeah. Swipe card. Mm -hmm. Push print to get your little your little docket. Yeah. Done. Yeah. But so really dumb stuff like that, which I, I think hurts it. If you if you're not good with technology, you're done. Mm -hmm. If you if you uh, uh, are like me and don't read all the instructions, mm -hmm. it makes it very difficult. Mm. Uh, stupid system. And then it's the helmets as well. Yeah, it's a real shame too, because obviously all of these things are in effort to reduce congestion on the roads, sure. um, reduce carbon emissions with less drivers on the roads. Yep. Um, but Open up the city to... The, the, the best possible ideas get stuffed up with poor implementation, right? So, Absolutely. like... You know, you could have the best idea in the world, which I think these things are great. Like, I think as a as a personal transportation tool, I think they're fantastic. Mm. Just make them easy to use. Well, and that's where, like, what I appreciated most about Lime, the system was great. Mm. Open up the app. It tells you where they are. You can reserve one. Yeah. Walk up to it. Scan the QR code. It activates. Mm. You jump on. You ride it. When you're finished, you say that you're finished. Mm. Charge your credit card. Yeah. And you move on with life. So, are you saying that they're because again, I, I don't live in the city, so I've I've never used these things yeah. myself. Um, are you are you finding that there are less of them around? Yeah, I, I think that there's been a massive reduction. And looks sometimes they're an eyesore. Has it, has anyone checked the bottom of the Brisbane River? <laughs> yeah. if, they, if they drag near the Brisbane River, they're like vulnerable. But also, this is the first time I've seen geofencing. So I don't know if some maybe a council law has changed where they don't want them in. Um, in certain areas, could be an insurance thing too, maybe for the co the company potentially. Oh, look, insurance. I'm sure they're paying a huge amount for insurance anyway. Yeah. But uh, if you know, if anyone knows why why they're not there, obviously post like, in the comments. Like, let's say that you parked in a certain bad suburb, and then they kept getting thrown in the Brisbane River, and the company kept on making insurance claims. Maybe that maybe the insurance company goes, "All right, we'll pay out this last one, but you can't park in that area anymore." But you're allowed to map the river. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I saw one snapped in half at the bottom of the cliffs. Mm. Like, and it, it looked like <laughs> someone had literally just poo shot it off the top. Yeah. And look, you know yeah. what that person did next? <laughs> they called their bank and cancelled their credit card. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. probably because they couldn't sign out of it. Yeah, so that's... See at the bottom of that cliff's in your geofence. <laughs> that really, really, really annoyed me. I'm sorry mm. for the squeaky chair on top this. Um, that really annoyed me. Then I was absolutely satched by the time I got back to the car. Yeah. And I just thought, you were supposed to make my life easier, and yeah, you made it, way, you made more it way more difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Neuron, you suck. You're on the band list, Neuron. Yeah. So, I'm audio good. podcast uh, watchers and listeners, no more using Neuron, because that company sucks. What's the word that you use? Like, uh, what's the... Like, the um, what they always try to get politicians to do when they want to say something against something? They want to... You have to... Um, what's the word? Um, oh, yeah, um, it's not call out. Like, are you willing similar. to something this group 
Yeah. Are you willing to... I can't believe I can't remember the word for it. I mean, oh. he says it every fucking day. Um, denounce. Denounce, yeah. Yeah, so we denounce Neuron. Yeah. My daughter, you suck. Neuron, I've never used you, but I'm never going to use yeah, you. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. you suck. So they're the orange ones. The limes have been a good experience. Yeah. I did prefer the old lime scooters. They've updated them. To, to, they made them more durable. Right. Which probably wouldn't snap in half. But the deck's quite high. Okay. And the problem with the deck, being a heavier boy. Being yeah, a heavier higher centre of gravity. No. When you, I need to kick off sometimes. Now you have to uh, dip lower to get the to get the power. Whereas the old one was just like a motorized razor scooter. Right, right. Doesn't have the same ground clearance, but I'm not jumping curbs and stuff. Yeah. Jump some, but um and and lighter and a little bit more nimble. Do they have a weight so, limit on them? These new ones would I I oh probably. Mm. Probably. But it it'd be considerable. Like because don't forget you've got the battery pack underneath, you're not gonna snap it in half. Mm. So um It's actually just reminded me, I, I remember uh, when I went skydiving years and years and years ago, oh, not that long ago, probably five years ago, um, I remember there was a weight limit for skydiving. I think it was like 100 kilos. And that was back when I was just slightly underneath it or like just there or thereabouts. Um, so I had to make sure that I was under 100 kilos when I, when I was... It can't be 100, surely. Well, tandem. Tandem skydiving. I think it is. Something, well, there was that particular place that we went. Maybe there's different rated shoots and stuff in different... Locations, but that I'm pretty sure that Wayland was about 100 kilos. Cuts down your market a lot. In Australia, it does. Yeah, we we're, can't. We're not. We're not a small people. No, we can't cut. Oh, we could cut weight for a few days and get there. What? So I can't experience it because I'm gaunt. Because you passed out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if uh, if uh, UFC fighters and boxers can can compete when they're a little bit dehydrated, I'm sure you can uh, fall out of a plane. I'll just go for pizza instead of skydiving. Yeah, fair enough. So I had a question. I had a question for you. I uh, going to back to investments, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't spoken to you about this, but I I just finished the book uh, Motivated Money by okay. Peter Thornhill, yep. Australian book, uh, Australian author, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. It changed my perspective on finance. Yep, and. Mostly on the buying property thing. Right. So I've got, I don't live in the property that I own. I have investment properties. Mm-hmm. I have investment properties because they're supposed to be a good investment. Yeah. I've not experienced them as being a good investment and I've had them for a very long time. It's been yeah. a lot of money. Like and a lot of stress too. Yeah. Yeah. And even like I have a property manager. I have a great property manager. Yeah. I still need to manage the property manager. And but it's probably also, interact like, once a month or twice a month. It's also just the fundamental fact that in Australia, like when it comes to rental properties, the tenants have more rights than the owners do. Yeah. So there's all, all that kind of stuff. But even from a, basically what Peter Thornton says is it's social uh, pressure says everyone go and buy a house. Yeah. It's the Australian dream. Right. Own your own home. And our, everyone's parents or everyone, gen, what are they, baby boomers? Mm-hmm. Made massive bank off them. Yeah, if you bought a house, you 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 made huge coin. Yeah, out of it. And I've been anti young people going in and buying houses for I think I think we've spoken about it here where where I don't believe a twenty year old should go and buy a house now unless you have a family. If you have a family mm. and you you you've got you know a good job and you need somewhere secure to live, yeah. I get if that. you're wanting to set down roots. That's why we bought our house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We bought our house because we we wanted to start the family and, you know, we, we wanted a patch to follow around that we could set down roots and we could we could do the family thing. But even, you know, back in the day it was like, go buy your first one and use that as a stepping stone for the next one. Mm. I don't think that's, I don't think that's wise. Anyway, so Peter Thornhill comes out and talks, he says... When was the book written, do you know? So it was originally written in 02, but okay. it's been revised with updated... Um, so he covers the global financial crisis in 08. Okay. I think it was redone in 2015. Right. Okay. Um, he talks. He talks about the stock market, mm-hmm. not trading. Yeah. But those EFT funds that we've spoken about before, massive advocate for them, mm. and talks about the the financial benefits of being in a share portfolio as opposed to property. Yeah. And it outperforms it. Year on year, every year since the seventies. Yeah. So where you know, as an investor, they say if you're getting a one percent return on on your investment, then you've done well. Mm. Well, the stock market's been getting 
Is it four percent on average year on year? Yeah, that's a shit one. Over like but fifty years or something. The one you're on, that's eight percent. Mm. You know, and there's ones I just did the research this morning before for doing the pod. There's easily six, seven, eight percent available. Um, this year's been extremely strong. Everything's gone like sixteen percent. I I bought into mine at the exact perfect time, really. Yeah, you know, but um. It really, so it got me so much, I'm going to sell my house. Okay. I've decided I'm going to sell it because like, yeah, I've got equity in them. I paid for yeah, the equity. So what? I paid for That's it. That's right. You know, just in maintenance and, and all that stuff. And mine rent for a ridiculous amount compared to what I owe on them. Yeah. But, and one's cash flow positive. But, you know, from a set and forget, chuck it in a, in a share portfolio mm-hmm. and reinvest the dividends. Yeah. Um, you know, people go, oh, but, you know, you're going to get that capital growth of the property. I've had bugger all capital growth mm. in my perception. Some markets have. I'm, I'm still really surprised that you have had bugger all capital growth. Because I know you have. I know the growth's not been there. Yeah. And you, you just look at the additional infrastructure that's been built around your houses since you've owned them. It makes zero sense yeah. that the price hasn't increased. But it hasn't. Yeah. I, I don't get it myself. I don't get it. But... I'm basically going to sell the properties and and invest the money in what in that mm. money that, that you're in, and um, I even look even the that equity thing right. I don't know if I spoke about it on here, but the shittest thing about having equity in your property is unlocking it. Mm. So I went to the bank to try and I was gonna I was gonna borrow against it to supercharge this business. Yeah, they won't give it to me. Yeah. So, at least if I've got a share portfolio, it takes three days to get your money. Yeah, you just pull the money out. Whenever you want. So, you yeah. can, you know, if an opportunity comes up, you can jump at it. Yeah. And, um, but that, that was, it. I was running the scenarios in my head. So, what are the, the, the downsides of selling the properties is, if it does shoot through the roof, then you've missed that. But, the, if. The share markets can do the same mm-hmm. thing. The share markets outperform property. Yeah. Um. Being able to get a loan again, mm-hmm. but then I'm thinking, do I want one? I I have I don't even have like Tasha and I don't even talk about. Oh, there's no house, there's no place that I want to set roots in. Yeah, I want to go work overseas. I want to go to mm-hmm. Italy. Like that's still on the cards. I'll, I I want to build skills and build an income stream so I can go and work overseas. Yeah. Um. So I don't, I'm possibly don't need to buy a loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the potential to squander it. There's that. You know, having that that asset or oh, money tied up in an asset makes it really hard to realise that. Mm-hmm. So it's forced savings, I yeah. suppose. But I'm old enough now to be disciplined not to. But see, I like I look at my share portfolio as forced savings as well. Like yeah. it, so, from from months ago, from reading the Barefoot Investor, um, he talks about. Like one of the questions that is asked is which is the better investment, property or shares? Yeah. And one of the things that he says is it depends on your goals. Mm. Um, but you should probably have both. You yeah. should probably like if if you've got a property, you should probably buy some shares. If you've got a sizable share portfolio, you could think about getting a property. Yeah. Because it huge. depends on what your actual your goals yeah. really are. Um, and look, I mean, for for me, I always wanted to have the house, but it was because I wanted to have the family. Yeah. And again, like, uh, we moved around a little bit when we were kids, and it's nice to like. I feel like we have bought a niceish house in a niceish area where we could live long term, mm. um, close to extended family. So you know, the you get the whole family experience, um, close to schools, close to the Gold Coast Hospital, like anything that you might need to have a family is is yeah. there, right? But if I wasn't going to have a family, I don't know if I would buy the house because yeah. then you've got less flexibility. Like you said, the hardest thing about uh, having money tied up in property is to get that money, you have to sell it. That ain't easy. There's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing too that, that you have to consider as well is when you're thinking of property versus a share portfolio as um, as an investment strategy is you've got compounding interest in both, but one's negative, one's positive. Yeah. So no one, 
no one goes out and gets a mortgage-sized loan to and then invest that money in a share portfolio, mm. right? Well, some people, like old baby boomers could. Yeah. So they, if they pay the house off, you can go and leverage Yeah, the bank the won't give you the money now to, to do yeah. that, right? But it's like, because I, I, I ran the numbers on this sort of late last year before we started our share portfolio. And because um, Amanda and I were talking about what do we do next to set ourselves up financially for the future. And the buying a, a rental property was one of the thoughts mm. that we had. Because that's what society tells you to do. That's what they tell you to do, yeah. Um, and again, like a lot of the, the, the rich people, they do it because, again, they'll buy it through corporations. So, you know, if they're outlaying the money, it pulls out of their taxable income. So, therefore, they pay no tax. And mm. they use it as like a tax dodge. Um, but obviously, we're not. We're not at that sort of level, but I know you get. Um, I get negative gearing. Mm. Well, I did prior to my business. But... Yeah, the things you get negative gearing if you're not making any money out of the property. Exactly right. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's, it's the, silliness. It's chicken shit by comparison. Yeah. To, like, would I? You know, I, I might have got fifteen hundred dollars a year discount off my tax. Yeah. And it cost me twenty grand. Yeah. Like the the system is set up to. Um, to incentivize you to buy an investment that loses money. It makes no sense, does it? The idea is to keep rent down. Yeah. For, for tenants. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, but like we, we ran the sums and uh, so just, just to just to sort of throw it and this is nothing that you guys can't do. I, I went on a, um, so low cost ETF. That's the biggest thing for me mm. was low costs. Mm. So if you are gonna look at funds to invest your money in, um, it's the whole Warren Buffett thing. If you do want to look at it as a long-term thing, and long-term, one of the things that eats into your profitability is fees. So the ETF that we invested in is uh, the Vanguard ETF, VAS, V-A-S. Um, they, their own, their fees are they'll charge you 0.1% of your account balance per year, but it's capped at $600. Yep, that's great. So it can never go any higher than that. That's it. Like a lot of the other funds that you can go into are, are a lot more expensive than that. Same as if you looked at your superannuation, your superannuation oftentimes have really high fees. Yeah. Um, um, so that's where I learned about managed funds and how I, I got a managed fund years and years and years ago. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> when we were kids, I think Colonial First State opened, okay. were, were just, just opened. And mum and dad, well, they put a promotion on where they'll do it for no fees. Mm -hmm. And we all, four of us, put money in and that's why I bought my first car. Yeah. So I squandered it because right. you ended up getting the car for free. So my investment benefited you. But anyway. I paid mum and dad 1500 bucks for that car. Yeah, I paid a lot more than that. Um, it blew it up. Mm. The, that performed really well. I'm pretty sure from memory it was like a 10%, we're getting a 10% return on that because right. there's no fees. It was an introductory offer to add liquidity to that, yeah. to that fund. So then... After I closed that down, a couple of years later, I started earning good money. I thought, I'll go get another one. Mm. And I just went to the bank and, and the returns were about the same, eight, nine percent. Mm. But after the fees and everything, I was getting four. And yeah. at the time, you could get six just sitting your money in a bank account. Yeah, that's right. So, so yeah. So the fact that you were focused on fees, that's a massive, that's a massive plus. Like, that's a big thing mm. from the Barefoot Investor book. Yeah. And what he talks about is... He he doesn't want to tell everyone where to invest your money to get the best return out of it, yeah. but he just wants to make people mindful of the fees that are involved in doing it. Yeah. Because you're exactly right. Like the amount of times that a business will spruik the massive benefits that you're the percentage returns that you can expect, but they don't actually include the fees in it. That's why comparison rates are important. Like if you're looking at interest rates on things, you always got to look at the comparison rate because the comparison rate will. It's, it's the relative rate of the, the interest that you're paying plus the fees that are involved as well. And oftentimes, it paints a completely different picture. So, um, but just, just to get back to what I was saying before, so I ran the sums on it. And um, so with, I, I based it over 30 years, which is what a typical mortgage would be sure. over, 25 to 30 years. And I said, okay, if we put X amount of money into this um, ETF fund and it only returned 4%, Right, so a lot of these things are saying seven or eight percent, but we said four percent just yep. to try to, you know, there's going to be dips in Give the market. The worst case, sorry. that's right. So if we were doing three hundred dollars a week into this fund over thirty years at a four percent return, um, I think the total amount that was invested was going to be about four hundred and forty grand, mm -hmm. roughly. And at the end of the thirty years, 
the portfolio itself, if you reinvest the dividends yep. into it, was going to be worth two million bucks. Wow. Right? Yeah. So then I was like, okay, so if I went out and got a $440,000 mortgage, which again, if you got that mortgage, you're going to be paying the interest on top of that. So you're, you're going to be paying a million bucks. Over. Yep. Over that. Yeah. Yeah. What is a $440,000 house going to be worth in 30 years' time? I don't, we're not going to see the same sort of growth. It might be a million bucks. And you might think you've done really well. Look, I bought this house, 440, now it's worth a million bucks. Yeah. But you've paid 1.1 on it, plus all the maintenance yeah. as well. So I just looked at that and, I, and I, I spoke to a man about it. We sat down and went through all the numbers and we're like, doesn't make sense. And then I've seen some of the stuff that you've gone through with, with your rentals yeah. where it's just like, I don't, I don't need the stress. And like, look, obviously, you know, I'm not saying that investing in the stock market um, is has no risk because there is some risk. Mm -hmm. There's risk in everything that you do in life. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, even if you include things like the global financial crisis and depressions or whatever, the stock market has still returned, on average, a uh, return of 4% per year for like the last 50 years, if you average it out over that time. It's actually much stronger. The, so the Australian stock market, right. the top... 300 companies, the, like the S&P, mm -hmm. has returned like 8% and has only lost five times in five years mm. since the 1974 or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's gone backwards. Mm. And then he also talks about the, the or Peter Thornhill talks about when people look at, uh, they look at isolated periods, they might look at, oh man, my portfolio went down. 10%, and you and I, we're a bit joking about this because we're into crypto and people, you know, they see a 10% correction on it mm. and they think the world's ending. They freak out and sell, sell, but sell. They, oh, I lost money on crypto because I sold at a loss. They also forgot that it went up 20% the day before. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. So I feel like an idiot. I feel like I was pressured by the old school way of just go and buy property, go and accumulate property, accumulate a massive amount of debt, Right. And 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 ride that wave. In fairness to our boomer parents, our boomer parents made money that way, so it is natural that they would educate us to try to make money the same way that they did. Where they bought properties, where you know they were fairly cheap, and they always made money and a fair bit, like a fair chunk, whenever they sold a property. So it makes sense if that worked for you. Most people go, all right, we'll go out and do this because this is what what I did. And as well, at the same time, when you bought your property. Like I think you said on the podcast before, you were pretty young. You were blowing a lot of money on other things. So there's nothing to say that if you uh, wouldn't have bought that property, if you would have still had that money, because you sort of go and spent it on the booze and the, the yeah, and stuff like that. But down, if you were educated as options and going, okay, you could buy a property or you could stick it in the share market, which again, our, our parents weren't big share people. They had a share portfolio, yeah. but um, I don't think it ever got pushed on us to, to do that. Dude, um, run that, run those maths for me. I'm pretty sure I was spending roughly 10 grand a year on top of what I was paying for one property. Mm. And I've had that property for 13 years. Yeah, no. Like, but then compounded. Yeah, if you if you did put that in a share portfolio, you would have had the benefits of compound interest. I mean, like I've even noticed and it investment. Yeah, like... Um, and plus the asset has increased in value. Mm -hmm. It's like... And that's that's one of the parts that and kind of burnt me inside mm. is I'm like, man, I've wasted all that time. Yeah. So my what I'm trying to tell you guys yeah. and i've had this conversation with it with with a, a girl that used to work with me mm -hmm. and and she's very savvy very um uh she's got like an investment strategy well sorry she's got no strategy but she knows she saved a lot of money mm -hmm. um she's smart with her money mm -hmm. and she wants to do things with it yeah and she's like oh i'm gonna go buy a property and i'm like oh why are you gonna buy a property and she went i don't know mm. she just knows that she has to do something yeah, yeah. And to be honest with you, that's the key, is you've got to do something. You've got to do something. But yeah. I, I'm like, well, I want to do the right thing. I had a guy, I had a customer here, and he was like talking about his son. He looked at a car on behalf of his son. Mm -hmm. And his son is working, um, uh, he's a carpenter working in like these remote uh, remote towns in North Queensland, right. earning really good money. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm just telling him, you know, just put, the best thing to do is just put your money against your home loan. Mm -hmm. I'm like, your home loan's 3%. Mm. Like, that's one of the worst things you can do with the money. That's right. You know, this... Like, home loan of 3% or uh, share portfolio returning 8%, compounding on itself. Like, yeah. Yeah, so... But but that sentiment still lives. Like, every if you want... 
it'll be hard for you to have this conversation with your parents if they're not activated in that in that mm. space. And we do take a lot of, like you said, we you you you, you look at your parents or you look at your peers, you look at your older peers, mm-hmm. and see what they're doing, and they 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 have done what has worked for them. Yeah. But reading this book made me realise that I should have been in that. Mm. Now I can't undo the past. No. I but I can I can sort of plan for the future now. Mm-hmm. So that's something I, w- I want to look at doing. Now, what I want to speak to you about is I'm trying to get Tasha activated. Mm-hmm. So she's very um, risk averse. Yeah. School teacher, government system. Mm-hmm. She's got a property as well. Right. That's working quite well. It's positively geared, so there's mm-hmm. n- nothing wrong with that. Um, and she also invests in her uh, super, super. Mm-hmm. and she puts a considerable amount into her super. Yeah. And basically what I wanted her to do was take whatever her contribution amount was into her super mm-hmm. and put it into um, VAS, mm-hmm. the Vanguard product that you're in. Mm-hmm. And I ran through the numbers this morning. Her, now, her uh, super has performed very well. Okay. But the I think we looked at... We compared apples with apples. Yeah. On the short term, it outperformed VAS. Mm-hmm. In the long term... Our VAS outperformed, I think, 10 years. It's 2% better okay. over a 10-year spread. Now, my, my thing was, like, she could just keep doing what she's doing, and she, mm-hmm. it'll still work for her. The thing I don't like about it is that, well, you can't access that to your 67. Mm-hmm. At minimum, they might change it. Mm-hmm. It's changed before. They could change for us. Yeah. Um, and also, 2% is 2%. 2% on a large amount of money yeah. is a considerable amount of money. Mm-hmm. Now, just a precursor, none of this is financial advice. No. not financial advices. No, no, but what I'm just saying. Yeah, we're just spitballing. The one, th- the one thing that I would ask um, is, because this is where, where you're comparing apples with apples, you need to have all the facts. Now, obviously, um, she being a government work school teacher can salary sacrifice into a super. Um, I would be exploring the option, because one thing I did learn in, in, um, in when I was doing finance Certain government roles will allow you to salary sacrifice into things other than your super as well. So um, if it was possible for her to salary sacrifice it into VAS, that would be something to probably look into. Yeah. Um, it may not be, but because um, obviously being, being government workers, they can usually salary sacrifice a certain amount per year and take it out of your pre-tax income. So there might even be opportunities where potentially instead of salary sacrificing that money into her super, she could instead salary sacrifice that money into her mortgage repayment, for example, because sometimes that's an option. Yep. And then take the money that she would have been spending on her mortgage repayment and put that into VAS. So then you still get the the tax lowering benefits of the salary sacrifice. So I think you've just explained why it's not going to change. Because it's too hard. It's too hard. And that's what she said. She goes, oh, she goes oh, her words, I'm conservative. I'm just happy to keep rolling with it. And, and she's not and doing a bad thing. No, because salary sacrificing of your super is not a bad option. Yeah. Um, I mean, realistically, what maybe the best place to start is to start seeing how her super fund stacks up against other funds. So maybe if there was a chance to convert herself into a different fund that has slightly better returns, that might be a yeah, good step. I, I went through hers um, really closely this morning. Mm-hmm. It's the best fund out there. Right. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll ask is this, um, is there anything stopping her from continuing to do what she's doing, but then put 30 bucks a week into VAS? Like, so we, the way, the way that we set ours up is we have a direct debit payment that comes out of our account every week, which goes into VAS and I invest it into, into the ETF. So we just look at it as a cost. So when I do our, our budgets and stuff like that, I just budgeted, budgeted that in as a cost. Um, and that comes out every single week. And now we don't miss that money because we're used to it going out. Yeah. That might be something that she could look into. Yeah, she could do it on top. But I'm sure she doesn't have herself spread that skint that she can't afford, even if it's a tiny amount, yeah, to yeah. just go go into it. But I was going to ask you, what's the process like? So, Because basically your, your um, the amount that comes out of your bank account that goes to VAS that, that sits on that and then you need to actually click it. I need to actually go in there and, and buy it myself. Yeah, so that's something that I don't think she'll call. Yeah. And, and but the thing is too, like um, this this gets back to that old I can't even remember the exact saying, but um, it's it's what you're willing to pay attention to. Yeah. So 
as much as it would be nice to have it automated that the money goes in and just automatically gets invested into share portfolio, it also means you're then not paying attention to it. So if, you know, anything could happen, like for example, like when, when I log in, every single time I log in, I go to invest into it to buy more shares, it shows me what the current performance has been like. Mm. If it's automated, you're not actually looking at it. I think super can be part of the, like that can be an issue with just auto paying into super is quite often people aren't looking at superannuation statements, oftentimes aren't looking at how much money they're actually making out of it. Like it's just set and forget. Mm. And then obviously as soon as you forget something, you don't know if like what, I mean, I got emails all last year about, you know, changes to your superannuation policy. Like, they change costs all the time. Yeah. Like if you're not looking at it, your money can disappear and you don't even know. Yeah. So I actually quite like the fact that every time I, like every fortnight, cause I like the payment comes out weekly, but because you have to buy a minimum of $500 at a time, I have to do it fortnightly. Um, I like the fact that I log in and it allows it to be front of mind and I can see what the performance yeah. has been. And it's, you know, if you, if you pay attention to your money, you're, you're, like generally you'll make better decisions. See, you and I, we, we can be more activated in that space because we've got the time. I wouldn't expect Tasha, because she works her ass off, mm. I wouldn't expect her, maybe she just needs to keep doing what she's doing. Look, and, and maybe, and I guess the lesson out of all this is at least she's doing something. Yeah. Um, the, the, and she's doing better than most. Like yeah, there's a lot sure. of people out there that are not activated. So so she she's invested. So... Super's a cop-out because everyone's got super. Basically, everyone's got, yeah. got super. But co-contributing to super is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So that's probably her dabble in, into the, the share market. And, and especially if you're in a position where you can salary sacrifice or two and lower. Which is what she's got. Yeah. So that, that is a, a good, positive thing to do. Um, I, I guess it's just that whole thing of, like, what I've learned from actually being able to take some time away, like I have over the last six months, whatever, um, is there's generally always something else that you can do. Yeah. And, like... I mean, before I left my job, I had the the alarm bells going in my head of like, you know, oh, we're going to go from uh, a, a double income, no kids family to a single income, one kid family. Uh, what does that can look like for us financially? Um, and it's not like like six months later, we don't, we don't want for anything. Yeah. Like I, I said on the podcast months ago, what is this freaking massage chair? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. we aren't rich by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but um, it didn't take long for us to adapt to the change yeah. and not only adapt to it, but actually do better with the money that we already have. Yeah. You know, um, bringing it, bringing back in a point that we would have said weeks ago too about the crypto space the reason why crypto has gone astronomically through the roof is not because crypto has gone through the roof. It's because the dollar is devaluing, right? We're printing more money oh, every it's single year. It's both. It is both. both I know, yeah. but a big factor of it, especially yeah. in the American market too, is the amount of money that gets printed every single year. So the thing is, if you just have your money sitting in a savings account, making 0% oh, interest on mad. it, every single year when they print more money, the, the worth, the value of that money that you've got saved goes down. So if you're not doing something with it to make some sort of percentage return, you're not even keeping up with CPI at the moment. Peter Thornton talks about that. So he right. talks about investing, like leveraging large amounts of money mm-hmm. on on long-term appreciating asset, but you're, de- you're depreciating your dollar. Yeah, that's right. So if you go on, if you go on loan a million dollars over 30 years, yeah. well, that million's actually way way more than that that's right because you borrowed it back when it was expensive yeah and you're paying it back over a, a, a extended period of time where the value of the money that you're paying is going down every single time yeah um yeah it is it is definitely something to consider uh, the, the biggest thing that I, I would say too is um a lot of the reason why people are hesitant to even explore investing is exactly what you said there before, where you're like, it's too hard. Mm. And the thing is, the gatekeepers to investing have always tried to tell the people that it's too difficult to do, so you need to come to a professional yeah. and pay me to help you get the best financial return. Because it's scary. It's yeah. scary. It's high risk, but if you come to me and you pay me money, I will get the best return for your, for your yeah. buck. And they have perpetuated the fear so people like financial advisors stay employed. Like I look at financial advisors like 
um, you know, they, they don't like really, practice. Yeah, they want you to come back and pay them more money because that's what their business model is. So they're not going to, you're not going to have two sessions with a financial advisor and they're going to set you up for life. They want you to have to come back all the time because that's how they get their income. Well, even worse than that. And it pops up in the news all the time when the banks had all the financial advisors. So oh, yeah. I was just talking Fees to for no service. Well, I was talking to a friend, a friend of mine and I've told him, he needs to go and chase one of these class actions yeah. because he's in the worst performing superannuation fund because he went to a bank, uh, a bank, uh, a, a um, financial advisor that was based at a bank mm. and all he did was roll them into all the products, roll yeah. all his supers into the product that he got paid. And probably paid had on. all the insurances included yep. in it, whether they were relevant or yep. not. So performed the worst yep. out of anything. And I said, you need to, like that, that was... Well, I think I've said it on here before. I went and interviewed like five financial advisors mm. and no one told me anything that at the time I didn't know already. Yeah. Everyone, and, and it was like a generic cookie cutter approach where, and everyone said back then, buy investment property and invest in super. Yeah. Invest in your super. And um, there are much better functions out there, mm -hmm. but it's easy for them to just keep uh, uh, regurgitating the same, the same product yeah. and they make money from it. Yeah. And I was so unimpressed. Like, no, I've learned more recently by reading books or YouTubing, being activated in that space on the, mm. on the internet than I ever did talking to professionals. Yeah. And, and, and that's the whole thing. Like, what I love about the internet, what I love about, like, YouTube and even just general surfing of the internet is you are able to get people who have gone and done university degrees that are for four or five years yeah. study, have had 10 years of practice and whatever all it is they're doing, and then they go out and they put videos out on the internet. So you get to get all of that information for free. Yeah. And there's no, like, the benefit to them is you, like, they make money by you going and watching their channel, and it's scalable. Yeah. They don't make money by you having to come back and pay them a fee every single week, right? Yeah. Like it, it's kind of, um, what's it called? Can't remember the word. But anyway, the like there's actual benefit for them to put the best content out there that they uh, content out there that they possibly can. So then people will come back and watch their videos. So if, if you go online and you watch a um, a financial advice channel on YouTube and they just go, I think the best thing for you to do is buy properties or shares, you'll go, okay, you're not giving me any benefit, so I'm just going to move on to try and find something else. So whereas, you know, if you, I guess what I'm saying is this, and this is not what I'm saying, but I'm going to say it now, you need to educate yourself. Mm. You need to stop putting all of, and this is in everything in life, finances, health, fitness, relationships, uh, career, all of it, you need to stop pretending that some professional in the area is going to have the golden piece of advice which is going to change your life because mm. there is none. You need to educate yourself in every single one of these aspects. Like um, relationships, read books. You know, relationships are difficult. Mm. They're, not, they're not easy. If you go to like a love guru who tells you, oh, just do this and it'll be all good. No, it takes work every mm. single day. To, to have a good, strong, functioning relationship. Mm. Same as career, same as fitness, same as eating healthy. Like, you look at the, you know, the, the fitness fads that are out there and crash diets and just try this. Everyone's looking for a silver bullet. And they're looking no for someone to tell them what the silver bullet is. There is no silver yeah. bullet. Generally, with every single one of these things that you want to improve, all it is, is taking action over time and yeah. being consistent. Yeah. But you need to go and educate yourself because it's a whole thing of like, um, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. Yeah. So if you go and start hiring professionals to help you out every single part of your life and you don't actually take the personal responsibility to educate yourself in those aspects of your life, you're just going to get taken advantage of. Yeah. The world is set up to take advantage of people who don't want to take responsibility for themselves. Yeah. That's how it works. But I, I do want to say, because I know it's hard for those people that are working full-time mm -hmm. jobs. I know it's hard. It's 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 labor intensive, mm. and I was partially activated in in the in the sorry in investing space when yeah. I was when I was fully employed, mm -hmm. but nowhere near as much as what I am now. So I understand that there is that like you need to play with that dynamic. Yeah. But I, I had coffee with mate yesterday, and he he's he's seen some stuff, right? He's a he's he's been through it all. Mm. One of the things that he said to me, he's like property ownership 
is the last thing on his list mm-hmm. because he's like it just locks you up. Yeah, it locks right. you up. And so a lot of a lot of these people are are working jobs that they don't necessarily like mm-hmm. to pay for a house that they don't necessarily like. Yeah, which might be the stepping stone into the home they've always wanted. Right. Yeah. And and it, he was the only person in my network that would say that. Mm. Right. But I'm glad I had that conversation with him because he gave me a different perspective on things. Yeah. You can. Just like I'm having a realization now that I've done what society said I should do, and and you know, it's nice to say, "Pardon me, I've got a couple of investment properties." Yeah, mm. but it's not the it's not working for me. Yeah, it's well, it's right. not working optimally, and no, it's not as sexy as going. Sorry, oh, it's, it's like, sexier than going. Oh, I've got a share portfolio. No, it's, but it's it's like the guy who rocks up at, at the party driving their one hundred and fifty thousand dollar Mercedes. Who can't afford the payments? Like it looks cool. My Mercedes was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Was twenty five. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, right? Like it looks cool, and like you know, you're you're projecting the the this rich dude, but you're fucking setting yourself broke trying to look rich. Yeah. You know, like um, I, I guess yeah. The benefit from experience of the thirty two years I've been on this planet says the number one thing that you need to do is you need to figure out what you want from life. If it's a family. Do the things that is going to get you close to having the perfect family life that you want. If it's world domination financially, do the things that are going to get you towards world domination. And I'll tell you right now, throw all of your like monthly repay, like monthly income at an asset which you're hoping will appreciate over thirty years. That ain't going to get you to world domination. Yeah. It's like if you want world domination for financial, like in financial means, it's high risk, high reward stuff. You got to take some chances. You know, everyone talks about like you know starting businesses well i think it's something like the statistics say that it's what is it six or seven out of every ten businesses that have started fail yeah and if you want to be really rich you need to have seven different um income streams which means you're gonna to have to start 60 businesses before you want to get your six or seven income streams oh no that that aspect so if you think about like my um i don't know if you guys can hear that through the we've got some operating equipment out here which is mm. a bit like that um, we apologise. I've got basically four or five income mm-hmm. streams. So that you know, business is one, mm-hmm. and crypto is another. Mm-hmm. Share portfolio is another. Another um, investment property. Investment properties mm-hmm. another. So there are there are. Uh, I do think that's a good thing. That that is a good thing to to do, and you should mm-hmm. you shouldn't just be relying off the one because yeah, of course. you and I both know things happen. Things happen. Uh, absolutely. Um, but that, that's what I'm saying is like the the key thing to me is you actually need to know what your goals are and you need to be taking steps to move towards those goals because like if you, if you want the perfect family life, for example, and you want to have kids and you want to do all those things, but you're in short-term rental properties, getting moved around all the time because you've got all your money tied up in high-risk investments, and the you know, and they're going like this all the time. You're constantly riding that wave, and you're stressed out. That's not going to give you a good yeah. family life, sure. Um, but at the same time, if you don't want to have kids, but you want to be rich, you can ride those waves, and you can do those things to give yourself a crack at, at hitting the big time. Like you can do those things. Yeah. But you just need to know what your goals are. Like it all gets back to having goals and actually making considered decisions every single day of, okay, is this getting me closer to my goals or further away from it? The other thing I'd say too, though, is assess your goals. Are the, are the goals really going to benefit you or are you doing it for other reasons? Yeah, well, that, you know, like if you want to be rich because you want to show it to other people, that's the wrong reasons to be rich, yeah. isn't it? You know? And the things that you're going to do to get to that. So, like, for example, uh, I, I know a lot of people that have have been so career focused that their bodies are turned to trash. That was me. That was well, me. no, no, but I know people who are double your weight. Yeah, I know people that I know people that look twenty years older than what they are, mm. and purely because they've invested all that effort into generating a uh, income. Yeah. But for what? Like, if, you're, yeah, if, right. you're, if your body is not... Yeah, if your body's trash when, you know, like, if you retire, like, yeah, I've got early retirement at 50, but my body's trash and I can't do anything because I feel like I'm 70, then what's the point? Yeah, and um, if you're if you're already trying to do it, you know, that, that ego thing, and look, ego tends to be a male trait. Males tend to yeah. think, like, peacock in that way, and, and, and we, I, 
I did it for most of my career where I wanted to be at the top, you know, and, and, mm. and, and I worked my ass off because I just wanted to rise that corporate ladder. But again, society says, yeah. well, of my perception, society was telling me that, that that's what you do. You, you know, you, you build wealth by increasing your income yeah. by, by getting promoted, promoted, promoted. Mm-hmm. But this smarter, less stressful, be, uh, more beneficial to the world mm. ways to do that. Yeah. And um, and I've been doing aspects of it, mm-hmm. but I've also been missing a trick. Yeah, and like, look, the, the ego thing's a, a big one for me too, because I was exactly the same. Like, I always wanted to, always wanted to climb the ladder. I wanted to have, um, you know, status is a big part of it. Like, if I was, if I've ever done something, I want to do it well, mm-hmm. because I think that I can. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like, one of the things that frustrated me a lot of the time in my career is I always look to the people above me, and I'm like, I'm better than you. Like, yeah. I can do that role better. Yeah. Just give me a crack, and I'll show you that I can do it better. Yeah. Um, and again, whether I was right or wrong, that was my mentality yeah. a lot of the time. And that made my career pretty turbulent in, in some yeah. points, you know, because I probably, there, there were definitely times in my career where I didn't give my superiors the respect that they deserve. Mm. Purely from a mentality perspective, because I was like, if you gave me a crack at that and gave me six months or three months to learn it, I'd do it better. Yeah. Um, and you know what? People that were younger than me would be thinking the exact same thing about my roles that I was in, and they would probably do it better too, because yeah. they would learn from my experiences, and, and that's how progression works. Yeah. Um, is one of the things I really enjoy about like watching uh, watching sports and like martial arts, all the go debates. Who was the greatest of all time? Well, guess what? The greatest of all time hasn't been born yet because progression wise they just keep getting better and better and better yeah um and that's the tricky thing about ego is ego can be a really good fuel to drive you forwards in whatever it is that you're trying to achieve the problem is you also need to understand am i actually am i using my ego to drive me forward to get me closer to my goals of where i want to be or am i driving forward purely because of ego yeah. Because there's a difference. Yeah. Because the problem is one day, just like it happens to all the greatest fighters, one day Father Time catches up with you and all of a sudden, from no fault of your own, you're not the fastest, you're not the strongest, you're not the most skilled anymore. There's a new guy. There'll always be a new guy that comes up who's better at doing what you're doing at some point in time. Always get to that point. So if you've been driving forward purely based on your ego the entire time, and you get to that point where all of a sudden, for whatever reason it is, you can't perform the way that you you have structured your whole life around performing, that's crushing. Yeah. But if you've used your ego to drive you forward and you've been using the means that you've gotten from that to build a life for yourself that you yeah. really love and you enjoy, it's, sustainable. it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at... Um, I, I, really, I really like martial arts. I always have, just have had an affinity for it. The... the the worst part of martial arts is every single one of your greatest champions' careers ends in the same way. It's with them on their back looking up at the roof. Yeah. Every single time. Except, in recent memory, one guy. George St. Pierre. I'll say John Jones. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> well, he's still going. <laughs> he's still going. But that's the thing. Like, George St. Pierre is the only guy who was one of the GOATs who's actually gone out on top. Like 10 years ago, Anderson Silva was talked about as the go. I think he lost five fights in a row yeah. and was getting knocked out. Like, it all ends the same way. But George St. Pierre, to me, is an inspirational guy because he's one of those people who have, he got into fighting literally to protect himself because he was bullied as a kid, mm. excelled at it, but he never actually enjoyed it. Mm. He always says in all of his interviews, he didn't enjoy fighting. He was just really good at it. Yeah. But what did he do? He, he used the skill set that he'd been um, given and had worked on and, and was very, very good at to now build a life that he really, really enjoys. Yeah. So it's when everyone comes up to him and goes, oh, like, you know, are you going to make a comeback, George? He's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Because he doesn't need it. And I think I think that's a large part is knowing in yourself that you're doing the right thing mm. for you and it doesn't matter what other people think. That's right. And I... Look, maybe because I'm a bit more isolated now, I'm not work. <clears throat> I work predominantly by myself now. I'm not, I'm not influenced by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I was always like, "Oh, such and such just did this. You know, I want to do that. Such mm-hmm. and such did this. I want to do that." And it's been good in a way. Like it has pushed me, driven me 
to 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 make some of these plays, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily the right plays. Mm. And um, yeah, it was a bit of an eye opener, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. And it, look, it is pretty personal. The the, yeah, the details sure. pretty personal, but I, I wanted to share it because I don't want, especially young people. I don't want young people to. to you can, you can be far financially. You can be far better off than what we are mm-hmm. if you take on board some of this, yep. some of this stuff. And if you don't, if you just understand that you're going to be pressured in ways that you're probably not um, expecting to be pressured. Like mm-hmm. you'll be pressured by your parents to, to go, no, no, don't do that. Go and do this, mm-hmm. right? And just be aware that, that that's the case and be ready to have that conversation mm. and to explain why there's there's other things to do. Yep. And also when you're you know, when your friends are if you're at a if you're at a barbecue, you know, people are gonna be talking up their life, of course. Yeah. But just be be comfortable in, in, in what you're doing. As long as you've got a plan, you're executing that plan, like you said, consistently yep. executing that plan, you've got nothing to worry about. No, and like because I mean I like I think I've mentioned to you maybe during the week, like I've, I've had the looks, like I've been to the barbecues where it's like, like you, you catch up with like a fringe friend that you haven't seen for a while and they're like, oh, so are you doing the stay-at-home dad thing? And like, yeah, like, oh, how's that going? Like, yeah, yeah it's hard work, but yeah, it's mm. rewarding. Whatever. And then, then they always go, oh, yeah, so what are you going to do next? And it's always the like, oh, this is just a, you know, this is just a minor bump in the road, but mm. what are you going to do next? Because again, that's, that's people projecting their mentality on, on yeah. you because they're like, I'm career focused. I would never give up my career to be a stay-at-home parent. So surely you're going to be, you'll be having that. So surely you're going to be thinking about something to do next. And it's like, realistically for me, um, it was a massive change because I was a career focused guy, but then I, you know, fortunately realized sooner than I think a lot of other people do that what I was doing was not compatible with the life that I wanted to have. Yeah. So then I had to make a change and I'm really happy that I did. Yeah. And again, you when you get to the end of your life, there's no reset button. It's not a video game. You can't just go back and go, oh, yeah. I'm going to do another playthrough. I'm going to try a different one. Sure. So at the end of the day, whatever choices that you make, you need to be happy with those choices. But also, you can always change your mind whenever you want. Yeah. Like you, I think way too many people get uh, their identity is tied to the decisions that they make or not even the decisions they make, the decisions that they made were well, like five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. You're not tied to that stuff. You can change tomorrow yeah. if you want to. You can be a completely different person. If you made mistakes in the past, whatever they were, you can literally change in the blink of an eyelid. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner is a great example. Yeah. Literally did some pretty poor things, all forgotten about because she changed, wanted to change. You can do that. You've got the power to do it. Mm. Do not hamstring your life based on decisions made in your past. Because I can tell you right now, it's remarkable how... In this day and age, it is. It seems more, more and more apparent that people live their lives to project an image to other people. I think it's been forever. I know it's been forever, but the other thing too is I think what people need to realise: no one else cares. It doesn't matter. Everyone, yeah, everyone matter. is so inward focused about themselves and what they're putting out there. And this is the example I'll give you. Everyone knows that time. When you've been at the staff Christmas party and you had too much to drink and you did something stupid, mm. right? And what happens is people wake up the next morning, they've got the hangover. I'm like, fuck, can't believe I did that. What? I'm such an idiot. Everyone's going to be talking about me. And the thing is, every single person from that workplace walks into work thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. I got drunk, I'm an idiot, and everyone's going to be talking about me. No one is. Yeah. Because everyone's so worried about themselves. Because you've all got drunk and done something stupid. Yeah. Like, but everyone's so inward, inward focused and focused on themselves. I can tell you right now, guys, no one really cares what you're up to. No one actually cares. I think social media has actually made that more apparent to me now. 100%. If you, if you left it tomorrow, nothing changes. No. If you, like, there's, yes, there's a world there, mm-hmm. but your participation obviously is a choice. Mm-hmm. And nothing happens whether you're there or not. No. Nothing happens. Mm. It's a nothing thing. So, yeah, that that was a that was a big realization for me. And 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 I will be working on it. I'll keep people posted mm. on that and, and how that how that part goes. Mm. I think I've decided that I'm not going to bother activating Tasha about it because she's got a strategy. It works for her. Seems to work. Yeah. yeah so, so that's fine. Um, 
It's just just what I just what I do. But yeah, young people have a go. Do and but do something like don't become a passenger in your own life. Yeah. Like you got to take some level of control. Um, and it is tough for young people too because you know oftentimes like you've had 18 years, for example, of your parents making all your decisions for you. And it's a scary thing when you get out into the real world, which is different to what, you know, what your upbringing was. And um, oftentimes people don't have the safety net that they used to have before. And uh, you're not experienced as well at the same time. But the information's out there. And I guess the key is to at least have the mindset of, like, okay, um, I want to make some short-term decisions that benefit me in the short term, but I want to make some long-term decisions that benefit me in the long term as well. Because you can do both. Mm. You don't actually need to give up one for the other mm. as much as you think. Mm. Um, you know, I remember being 18, 19, very, very short-term focused. My entire life was the next day. It yeah. was, what am I doing right now? Um, I would have really enjoyed if I would have had more of a mindset to be thinking a bit more long-term. And I thought long-term about certain things like, but the way I thought long-term was, if I work really hard at this career, I will get a higher up position and make more money. Whereas if I was really thinking long-term, I was like, yeah, cool. At the same time, I'm going to flick some money into shares on the income that I am on so that when I do get those higher up positions, I've also got a lot of money behind me if I do want to buy the house or if I do want to do whatever it is that I want to do, you know? Um, But the key is to at least have the mentality of uh, I need to make decisions that benefit me in the short term I need to make decisions that benefit me in the long term. Okay, what do I need to educate myself into to to get myself closer to the long-term goals that I have? Because your short-term decisions paint your long-term future. For sure. All right. That's that's about it. Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time. Yeah.